This show is about sexual awareness and contains language which is meant for above 18s. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of The Orgasm Coach. I am your host Michael Charming and I am ready. What about you who are listening to this? Are you ready friends? Are you ready to turn on your life and amplify your orgasm because it's time. It's time to increase your happiness. It's time to have more pleasure and experience those juicy, nourishing and expansive orgasms because it's time. It's time to deepen your relationship, your connection and get your desires fulfilled. If you are ready to let go of shame and take the next step, if you are ready to take your relationship and sex to the next level, if you are ready to have more connection, intimacy and abundance of love, then it's time to amplify it with the Orgasm Coach. Hello dear listeners, I hope you have been well since we last connected. I have been well too. Though dealing with mom's loss last year was a very hard landing. It never really gets easy, but after having the much needed break, I am back with another episode. Our today's guest is Melissa D. She's a provocator of Body Joy Intimacy School in which she teaches the students how to talk, touch and play that feels both safe and exciting. Body Joy has offered hundreds of workshops around the world since 2013, inspiring thousands of students to feel more at ease in their bodies and take back their authentic sexuality. Her program, The Practice with Melissa D, is a unique blend of her background as a clinical hypnotherapist, sexological hypnotist, and somatic sex educator, giving her students the exact tools in developing their own self-touch and self-pleasure practice. She is one of the interviewees of my latest book 21 Flavors of Orgasm. This book offers 101 tips that aim to take the relationship and sexual connections to the next level as well as answering to these vital questions. What is the difference between feminine and masculine orgasm? Each woman is different. What does orgasm mean for them? Does having had experience with multiple partners make you a better lover? What do porridge, avocados and orgasms have in common? Is female orgasm really elusive or is it merely ignored? We focus too much on the clitoris, you know, the little button under the hood, but what about the cervix? Why do men say women are hysterical? Is this perhaps from the lack of understanding of a woman's orgasm? So these were just a couple of questions that these books answer. It is a great read if you enjoy reading real life inspirational stories including those relating to sex, relationship and orgasm. This insight will allow women to reflect and start healing through other women sharing their stories. Is orgasm guaranteed? Well, you bet it is. After reading this book, you will be pretty close. Today's episode is the interview which was conducted for this book in which Melissa shares about her life, her struggles, relationship, her journey to becoming somatic sex educator, her relationship and sexuality tips for men and a key message for women. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Melissa D. Hi Melissa, hello. Hi Michael. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being willing to be part of this uh, amazing project. Oh my gosh. Any reason to support someone in their project in getting this information out there and talked about, I am all on board. I haven't really met you before. I don't know anything about you. So for me right now, you're like a complete blank piece of paper other than what I've seen 
seen on the social media links. Well, you're recommended by another interviewee. And from based on what I know, I'm very, very excited. I'm looking forward to finding about so much about you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> you are involved with the Body Joy Intimacy School. Is that correct? That is. Yeah, it's a school that's been around for about 15 years. My mentor, Dr. Sharla Hathaway, started that company in Austin, Texas, of all places. And I had the pleasure of meeting her and taking the reins as she retired. What made you move into this kind of field? Well, where do I begin? I think this seed was planted when I was a young girl. I was always interested and fascinated around sexuality. You know, loved to play in fantasy and was always curious about touch and connection. But as an adult, I was a raw food chef for a number of years. And I had a restaurant and wrote some recipe books and did that whole thing. And I then began studying clinical hypnotherapy because it was a really powerful tool to help people transition from an old way of eating into a new way of being. And I just was really inspired by the power that the unconscious mind could provide. And so I noticed over combining those things, helping people make these powerful changes in their lives, I noticed just how I didn't enjoy talking about food anymore. I wanted to talk about something way more exciting. A lot of people were hung up on how much protein kale had and if they were getting enough vitamins in the almonds and this and that. And over time, I just was not inspired by that anymore. And I was actually at a music festival in California, and I was teaching people how to use trance states and hypnotherapy and how to connect with a deeper part of themselves. And a man ended up approaching me after my talk and he was really inspired by what I shared. And he thought, or he asked me, would you be willing to help me with some sexual dysfunction? And my ears perked up because that was something I hadn't led someone through. I mean, I dealt with a little bit of trauma, overcoming phobias, having a better relationship to food, things like that. But talking about sex and intimacy combined with hypnotherapy was something really new for me. And I was instantly engaged and very excited. And we ended up doing a session there at the festival. And I just used my tools, but just changed the topic. And I was on the edge of my seat and he had this powerful experience. And then that kind of sparked my interest into studying with another hypnotherapist that specialized in sexual dysfunction or difficulty. And so that's what kind of started my professional career in that. And then from there, I went into a more somatic approach. So studying sexological body work and somatic sex education and studying with the school in San Francisco on just some very basic uh, sex education. Wow, what a transformation. <laughs> Moving from having a day state about food to the taste to sexuality. <laughs> yeah. They're so deeply connected. I mean, eating and enjoying and having your senses alivened through food, it's so similar to that of our sexual expression. It is indeed. I have been on this journey for about eight, nine years now. And what you are mentioning now, I can relate to that in so many different levels. Because earlier, eating food is an act. We are doing it morning, evening, afternoon. We might be feeling hungry. You might not be feeling hungry. But we're just doing it in a monotonous way. Whereas now, when leading an orgasmic 
life, it enriches the entire experience. Yeah, it's like you learn how to really enjoy and savor and get the most out of the food when before you may have not even noticed. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned you, know, you have always been interested in kind of touch and kind of movement um, since your childhood. What was your family beliefs like when you were growing up? Around sex? Around sexuality, around uh, kind of relationship? Yeah, I had, I wouldn't say that I had the best role models on exploration when it comes to my family. I was raised in a non-denominational Christian household, which on Sundays we looked like the perfect family. Family, and then other days of the work week, it was a total shit show. There wasn't a lot of shame, direct shaming, but there was this don't ask, don't tell, don't get into explicit details. I didn't know much about my body growing up from my mother. My mother never talked to me about even, you know, menstruation or self-pleasure, anything like that. I just had to find out from my, my own experience and through my friends. So I grew up thinking that intimacy and sexuality had to be reserved for marriage. And to touch myself and pleasure myself meant that I was kind of going against that. And so I had to almost like forgive myself as a child and kind of work through the lens of Christianity to make it make sense. Like I knew that it was natural. I knew that it felt really good. And I knew that, you know, God or whoever I believed in up there wasn't actually going to send me to hell. But I felt this little thread of shame as I explored. And it wasn't until I was older and I kind of made my own decisions about religion and the place of that. And I was able to kind of move through that in a more expansive way, if that makes sense. It's uh, interesting, isn't it, that there is so much conditioning that was being put on, even though your body kind of felt that this is the right thing to do. But because of these external barriers and beliefs being installed, there became a big disconnection with your own kind of uh, sensuality and sexuality. Yeah, I growing up with that lens and then learning learning that I just wanted different things. I mean, I wanted to be more sensual. I wanted to be more sexual. I was interested in multiple people at a young age. Um, not so much sexually until I got older, but just sharing connection. And I couldn't figure out what these rules and regulations were all about. It didn't make sense to me. I thought, okay, I can like one person at a time and that's it. Like what's going on? <laughs> indeed, indeed. And of course, uh, talking about this to friends around. Having this conversation in families and relatives is not possible. Talking with friends, there might be a lot of harsh judgment being faced. I mean, I went through an experience where I also felt that, you know, I could share myself with other people and I'm still committed to all of them. I'm not cheating on it, but I don't understand this monogamy part. Now, the thing is, I come from India. So India being a very romantic place, place of Bollywood and, and also it is also a place of arranged marriages and love marriages and all of that stuff. So there was this thing in me that said, oh, I have to have one person. That was the kind of society I grew up in. But deep inside, I knew that I cannot be with just one person. It's not about I am wanting to sleep with many people. It's just I am not born to just share connection with one person because connection is so beautiful. It can be shared. And I struggled in my early young age until I found polyamory, which basically tore me apart because becoming a polyamorous person is not easy. It's easy to say, but it's... Yeah, the exclusivity. 
creativity and and I'm not bashing committed partnership and people that want to like you know protect that and reserve that I think that's really beautiful but I mean there's there's the full range right so we can have these closer friends where there's touch or you can go out on these little dates and have fun and that be okay and you can also take it to the bedroom too and have sex with other people so you can decide for yourself what level of intimacy you want to share but what I always struggled with at a young age and even growing up into a, a, a woman was the exclusivity box where all my attention, all my focus, all my prioritization would go to just one person. I never understood that. And what happens when that thing doesn't work out? You got to start over and label yourself a failure. Like that is so, I think that's a really harsh way to live. I think that relationships ebb and flow. And and I've had some relationships that have included different levels of intimacy that have been around for years. And I love that. And when we can just open up and allow that to happen, we've got this beautiful support system instead of this hang in here until this one dies or you lose interest or you get betrayed and then move to the next one. It's like, why don't we just create a network? Or, or we keep on hanging until it becomes very toxic, but still living it because that's the only way we have been taught. Yeah. Or hang in there, even though you want to leave, but you want to be there for your children. I think there are ways to support your children and support your life and not rip everything apart, but still be in integrity with yourself and your spirit. And so not everyone is just mashed into the ground in submission. Your early relationships, were you kind of one to one person? You started with that? And did you have the deeper knowing that this is not something you would uh, wanted? Or is it something you found out later that, you know, one-to-one doesn't work for me? Hence, I want to basically... Uh, explore more? I was a serial monogamist. I love commitment. I love partnership. I loved relationship. But I noticed that I would like or be attracted to or want other forms of intimacy with other people outside the agreement. And I didn't have the container or the map to explore this and even talk about it. So I would end up cheating or not being honest about what I was doing in the other relationships. And I had a lot of resentment and confusion around the exclusive, you know, everything goes to one person. I had a really hard time with that. And I suppose when the partners, these monogamous partners at that time, they found out, of course, it might have created a lot of uh, conflicts in relationship and it, which would possibly end up having in breakups, etc. Uh, that's very normal, right? Yeah, there is breakups or just, you know, a breakup and then repair and then not having trust. I mean, I was trying to be Polly, but didn't know that I was being Polly. I was just kind of following all my urges mm-hmm. and then feeling bad about it. And so as I got older, I learned more the complexity and learned how to speak up for wanting these different things and learning how to choose people that maybe wanted to explore in those ways. And so this was a huge learning curve for me. I made a lot of mistakes. I was dishonest. I did not know how to navigate this at all until actually very recently. Wow. When it comes to experiencing sexuality in those stages, you know, like you were cheating, I guess, having connection with different people in terms of orgasm. What would you say? What was your first kind of initial orgasmic experiences like? 
My first orgasm experiences were by myself and they were very focused on just my clitoris wow. or just my, my vulva, just that whole area. Very isolated, very short bursts of energy. I didn't I didn't know how to expand that energy and I wasn't sure how to enjoy that pleasure with another person. And so it wasn't until I was in my early 20s, maybe I was like 19 or 20 when I had my first orgasm with a male partner during penetrated sex. Uh-huh. And I didn't know what it was at first. I had this this weird flash and heat in my genitals and this like woo of my spine. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that feels really good. Oh, that's what that is. Okay. I do this on my own. And so it was just kind of like learning how to attune to this other body. And it it felt very limited for a number of years. It felt good, but to really get into the full experience experience of orgasm wasn't until probably my late 20s when I was able to really let it travel up my spine and have it move to different parts of my body and have it be this extended, beautiful, ecstatic experience. And I think that just came with being more embodied as a woman and just learning how to have the capacity. Absolutely. I mean, this uh, not just lies to women, but also to men. I didn't realize that how much amazing healing and so blissful this energy is. That once we are able to channel away from our genitals and be able to move into our different parts of the body. Growing up in India, I used to see this Shiva Linga, which we don't even talk about. And I used to see all these energetic bodies. I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, it doesn't make sense. (laughs) Now... I've been experiencing, you know, awareness, the more and more awareness I developed inside my body, the sensations and feeling into those energies, then all that I've been seeing outside, it's like, oh yeah, I experienced this. This is the picturization of the actual experience that can be experienced by human beings. Yeah, I had such a limited experience for many years. And yeah, it wasn't until I I started expanding what was possible and then also taking the goal out of, oh, I need to stick, you know, a phallus in here and do this certain thing. And then the result is this orgasm. Now it's it's a much more poetic, deep and expansive experience. What would you suggest how to get rid of this goal? Because it's not an easy thing to do. This is probably the most common thing that I help men and women with but mostly men Uh to teach sensate focus. And that's when we focus on the feeling rather than the goal. And we bring in our breath and sometimes natural movement. I mean, teaching people how to be in their body is God's work. It is. It is. I mean, when um, I connected with somebody, I was in a relationship with someone, um, And I have a lot of regard for this amazing lady because without her, I don't think I would have ever written a book on Amplify Your Orgasm. I learned so much from her. And one of the very first things that I learned in my first six months of this relationship was how to name my feelings, how to express my feelings. Because as a man, when she's asking me, how am I doing? I'll say, I'm doing good. I'm doing happy. I'm doing okay. Those were my answers. But dropping into the feeling sense of the body and then being able to express was six months work for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that is a beautiful place to start is just noticing the sensations in your body, whether it's through orgasm or eating your food, just noticing what you notice in your body. 
what would you suggest moving away from those many seconds climaxes to becoming and being able to channel the energy into your whole body? Uh, you mentioned about the breath. You mentioned about uh, praying present. What can couples do together? There are lots of things that couples can do. I think a powerful tool is attunement. And so the easiest way that I know of would be matching breath and doing some eye gazing uh-huh. and just really relaxing into the moment. It's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) This is why it's so beautiful to set aside time where you can just explore and take penetration off the table, take a goal off the table and just feel what it's like to actually just share space with your partner sitting facing each other. It's so you see it in all the movies. People make fun of it, but it fucking works. (laughs) very true breathing sharing intimacy sharing yourself opening yourself up even putting opposite hands on the heart and really feeling your partner it's a beautiful place to start because that's you can't do that then you're you're so right in the social media world we are always constantly moving constantly looking for doing things constantly looking for something to trigger our mind or move our body but being able to sit down and look into our partner's eyes just experience that moment that's so beautiful it's not easy to do in the beginning but that's so beautiful I've been a Tantra practitioner for about seven years now and when I started my first and second year of Tantra my teachers used to say that after a few years you will get to a place is that when you are having a love making, I think it will take you a couple of hours just to actually even start the penetration. You'll be whole three, four hours going and you will still not have removed each other's clothes. And I'm like, but that's so boring. <laughs> like, no one's got time for that. Yeah, no one's got time. And I was like, what are you talking about? We all want quickies. But now, of course, after six, seven years of my journey, I'm like, yeah, man, this is, I need time. So when my partners come, they know that they need to keep aside eight, nine hours. This is going to take that long. And the beautiful thing about that is because every connection that is experienced in this way, there's a whole lot of groundedness. There's a whole lot of feeling that is being felt away from the body for days and days afterwards. Yes, absolutely. It's so nourishing to use touch and movement and sound and organic orgasmic energy. I think that's the secret to a happy relationship, honestly, no matter if you're monogamous or poly, just learning how to connect in these ways is where the spark actually is. I get more emails than anything else about ejaculation, but where's the spark is what people want to know. Where did it go? And I always ask, where did you go? (laughs) We will be right back. Hello, dear listeners. I hope you're enjoying this show so far. For more shows, please visit michaelcharming.com or look out for The Orgasm Coach. Um, Do connect with us on Instagram. It's mc.theorgasmcoach. If you're interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm, which is the book page on my website for more insights. This book is for both women and men and offer practical tips which can be applied in day-to-day life, whether you're alone or with your partner. If you're interested in learning about desires, want to let go of shame, have an emotional release, or want to take your relationship to the next level, then do check out the courses on the website, michaelcharming.com. If you have any questions or for confidential conversations, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. 
And just on the side note, if you are interested in politics, if you have been someone who has experienced disconnection and conflicts from friends, families or even strangers due to conversations relating to politics, then do check out my book, What's Your Fucking Opinion? It's a self-help book that will allow you to understand the reasons why each of us behave differently whenever politics is mentioned and how we can avoid conflicts from happening. Visit the book page on my website for more information. If you ever expect to sit down with your friends or have a holiday dinner together with your family without considering a bloodshed, then you must read this book. Now back to the show. Thank you for staying with us. It's a good question. Just where did you go when you were present? Where, where did you go? Where did your intention go? Because that's where the spark is. Uh-huh. Beautiful, beautiful. And I, and I think that this is what I imagine why more people, as they get older, they get they deepen their practice and they're having some of the best sex of their lives is because they're really tuning it in and taking that next step in making it a priority. And people can find it early on. I love hearing about tantricas that are in their 20s. That's amazing. But most people that I talk to, the average American, doesn't make this a priority until they're much later in life or they've had some sort of fallout or they're, they happen to know a weird friend that took him to a tantra festival or something like that yeah that tantra is making its way in the mainstream now but it's got a long way to go yes definitely wow okay so in terms of a relationship if you were to share a couple of tips for men what would you say um, i think you've already mentioned but possibly you might have something more to say in regards to how they can take the relationship to the next level mm. i think doing shadow work can really help What's this another word? Really being aware of your projections, being aware of the ways that you don't own responsibility, being aware of where your belief systems actually come from. Because a lot of issues in relationship are projections from the past. And so I think that's one of the best things that a man can do in relationship is work on this for himself. So that when he meets his partner or partners, he can be free of all that bullshit that a lot of people just carry around. Right. So it's basically like meeting your partner, being clear of as much as having a clarity of mind, clarity of body, clear, clear of energy, then holding yourself, being hostage to your past experiences or mind bugs, etc. Yeah. And basic things like authentic relating, for example, these are all powerful tools that help people really show up and not project and create story and they're able to communicate from a very clear place. And I think that is extremely important and vital. You have absolutely mentioned the authentic relating is not an easy thing to do because, oh, yes, we can be completely honest and say everything. But I think when the things become difficult and we feel like saying the thing will bring a lot of conflict or a lot of discomfort, that's where we actually start with holding. And be, having an authentic communicating means actually you go into those places and then be able to speak out, create the space with your partner where you can actually have those kind of conversations. Absolutely. I dealt with that very recently in my last partnership. I would even lead authentic relating games, but I was completely out of touch with reality. I didn't know the ways that I was withholding and I was doing it very consciously. Like our shadows are sneaky, masterful magicians at hiding this stuff. And I learned so much in my last partnership about this deep pattern of withholding. It was never safe for me to be honest. I would always get in trouble for telling the truth. It's like carried with me into these conscious relationships and it really bit me in the ass. And I had to really face that and unwind that. 
Wow. And how did you unwind it? What are a couple of things you could suggest? Such a tender thing. I mean, I had to be in a relationship where I could show those shadow parts, those ugly parts, those things that I didn't want anyone to see. And I had a partner that was so patient. He didn't leave me. He stayed there with me and he would help me point out these things and create the safe space to actually say the truth and have it met with openness instead of punishment. It's not just relationships, but friendships helped because I would withhold in really simple ways, even in my relationship. Like I let someone space um, my shared office space with another woman and I didn't tell her. And that is a withhold. That's not being honest. And I just brushed over it because I thought, well, this is my office. I can do it. But it really hurt her feelings. And the impact was that she couldn't trust me. And so I had to own up to that shadow part of myself. I had to own up that there is a part of me that withholds information, even though it's seemingly innocent, but it really causes a lot of problems. And then I would slowly leak that into other partnerships and close relationships. And it took me a while to really come to a place where I could be fully transparent and feel really good and safe. It just takes practice and it takes a lot of work on the nervous system. Yes, yes. Working on self, looking at all those places and then making a real commitment to do the work. It takes a lot. Yeah, yeah. It now you're doing such an amazing work and, you know, coming from uh, based on your story, uh, based on your life, from where you came from, what are two or three biggest hardships that you face in your life? That one that I mentioned, that inner work, that uh-huh. shadow work of uh-huh. the part withholds is a huge one. Creating safety for myself instead of relying so much on other people. Being a mother has been really, really difficult, honestly. Raising a human takes so much care and resources and time. And so trying to run a business at the same time has been really difficult. I've had to be a superhero, basically. I admire people who have kids and, you know, who are willing to, you know, parents should put their kids up as a priority. I, I've never been married and, and I don't know. One of the reasons why I don't intend to have kids is just because of the level of commitment it takes. And that's why I have a lot of appreciation for people who are, especially someone like you, who are who are running businesses, who are looking after or doing the work on themselves and still being able to give the best of the best to the kid. I mean, it's a hassle. It's challenging. I mean, there's a reason why the nuclear family makes a lot of sense where someone stays home and is doing the cooking and the cleaning and care for the children and someone's going out and making them money. And so there's a lot of people that are trying to do all those things or they have to hire someone to do those things. And that's a reality that has been really hard for me to navigate. Wow. Wow. What's your uh, biggest challenge? Is navigating these things your most biggest challenge at this point? Right now would be, yeah, trying to give my business the care that it needs and also my son. Because it's so important for us to raise our children with care and love and understanding. Yeah. And also teaching them all that has been learned, isn't it? Like some things, if I ever have kids, I'm going to teach them so many things that my parents never taught. Not only in terms of sexuality and relationship, but also as a growing up child in an Indian family, there were a lot of behaviors and patterns that I picked on from my mom, from my society. And one of the things that I am very conscious is that if I ever have a kid, I will be very conscious of making sure that that person is not picking my unwanted behavior. And that would mean looking at my own self in every single aspect. But see, the beautiful thing is, Michael, is that 
here you and I weren't given, I mean, our parents did the best they could and they did their, and look at us now. So it's like, even if we have our children exposed to stuff that maybe we thought that we didn't want that for them, we want the very, very best. And we want to teach them everything. We want to do all these things that our parents didn't did, but really we have to just trust the process. Yeah, I guess I get <laughs> it is. But you know, the thing is, is as a man, I don't know whether it's a man or it's just me. I find it difficult. A lot of my friends or a lot of women friends around me say, it's Michael, you got to trust the process. You got to place your trust in the universe. And I think because probably I made my own life myself, or maybe I didn't, I had universe blessings, etc. But there is some part of me or some part of this masculine then that says, oh, no, I can't surrender to someone, something that I don't see completely. And I still need to this is, I think, third or the fourth time that I've heard in like in less than 10 days. So I'm really I, have <laughs> I have an idea for you. Treat sure. it like orgasm. Let it move through your body as free as orgasm. That's a very good way to reflect. And I think I will. I will let that sink in. <laughs> you also you also have to really let go of, of the, the sphincter too. like really let your ass relax. <laughs> I mean, talking about ass relax, you know, we, for as a man, um, there is so much tension in our butts. Uh, when I went for this first prostate massage, I couldn't get in because my the lady who was giving the said, man, you can't relax properly. And I was like, no, I'm com- I, am, I am completely relaxed. I am completely relaxed. Like, no, no, you're not relaxed. And I was like, look, I am relaxed. But actually that part wasn't. And I only saw the difference after three or four sessions when I compared, I was like, oh, now I understood what she really meant. And you're right from that perspective. Every man should at least get their prostate massage because uh, the amount of energy that's stuck there, the anger, the resentment and all of the things. Oh. The holding that male and fe- actually all bodies do it, but like especially men, like getting that to just relax and open and be fluid. Yeah. And and also like a lot of our body work that is available for people is limited. They go around the whole pelvic floor. They don't touch the breasts, you know, and so it's important to get movement get and relation to all those areas. As a man, we got to be able to learn to move not just back and forth, but also sideways. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so if I were to ask you, how would you define your orgasm now? If you were to define give somebody and tell what an orgasm feel like where you are now, what would you say? I have all kinds of different orgasms. So it depends on where I am in my cycle. It depends on how much time I'm giving it. It depends on if there's been this cultivation over the course of the few days or if it's something that just starts from ground zero. Wow, that's a really hard thing to define. But essentially, my orgasm is like a wellspring or a geyser. And so sometimes it's this slow, bubbly thing that comes out and sometimes it's just crazy burst of energy that goes up and out. My orgasms flow through my entire body now and they don't get stuck just in my general. So it's, it's this beautiful wellspring that sometimes it's just this sweet little stream and sometimes it's explosive and ecstatic. And then it fuels my day, which is beautiful. (laughs) Like it lights up my whole face. It turns me on for life and propels me into the rest of my day or week. Beautiful. Just hearing that, I feel so much energy in my body. (laughs) 
Yeah, orgasm is a is a beautiful source of great, great energy for anybody. While we are at this topic, if an orgasm was to be a song, what would it be? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, again, going back to these different styles of orgasm, it could be like this silky Sade beat or this grimy bass song, or it could be like Etta James. It is always changing and moving. In my opinion. Mm, yeah, in my, yeah. in my body. It has these different characteristics of energy and playfulness. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. What's the, so you have shared so many amazing tips for men. Uh, you've shared so much about your life. What will be your one key message to women? Love men. <laughs> Unconditionally. <laughs> and trust and connect with other women. Love men unconditionally and then have that level of support network and where you can build trust and share and support each other and empower. Yeah, I don't know about other women, but my experience is that there's been this underlying distrust of other women or in competition. And I think that building those relationships can only improve society. If all the women just band together and support them and love them and care for them and create deep relationships. And I think that women loving other men, whether they're romantic with them or not, but really caring. Um, talking about men, if you were to ask you at a physical level, what is it that turns you on? What is it that you find attractive or something that's like, oh my God, I love this guy? Just by the visuals. Just by the visual, purely physical. What would you say? What would that be? Well, physically, it's their body posture. So it could be translated as confidence or how comfortable they are in their body. That I notice body language immediately. So body language and visual representation first. And then it'll go to, ooh, the jawline is a really nice one. Hey, hands, shoulders, chest, and the way in which he moves in his body. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I love male bodies. I have been um, as being in this kind of industry, we are always generally conscious about how this industry is moving and how it is uh, bringing the changes in the world. And what I've been noticing is that over the past five, six years, uh, there's a lot of work uh, being uh, women are doing on themselves. So there's a lot of positivity and consciousness and empowerment happening in that in, in that aspect from this gender, which is amazing, which is beautiful. Um, but there's not so much happening from men. And I think this is where I feel that uh, we as a man need to really up our game because when women are doing this, uh, they would need a different category of man, different level of man, you know, to be able to hold them, to be able to listen to them, turn them on and etc. So if we men are not going to do that, at some point, there's going to be an imbalance. And what you have mentioned that uh, women loving men is definitely one of the ways that can help to bridge that gap. Yeah, I love hearing about men doing other men's work with other men and having like a variety of age groups, having a variety of ages coming together and inspiring each other, having elders, having men in their 30s or 40s, and then having the younger men and have everyone kind of learn and grow together. I know this because I work with a group of men in Canada every year called the Apollo Project. And it's it's for men that want to explore their sexuality and really work on themselves and have the safety of other heterosexual men. So there's brotherhood, if you will. And there's this web of inspiration and support and accountability 
And I think that more of these groups are starting to pop off around the country. And I love hearing about other men really bonding together and having a safe place to share their feelings and be sensitive and be called out on their shit and like talk about all their stuff. Because there's been, like what you said, a lot of this for women. There's all these women and women things. Well, what are the men doing besides going out and collecting berries and hunting? Like, what else are they doing? Like, where is that? in our society. Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely. I hope that uh, whoever listens to this, uh, especially as men, whoever reads this book, they will get get to have that level of, bit of uh, awareness and openness and uh, would be willing to take on the journey of transformation if they haven't. And if they're already, then they carry on doing and, and see where it further unfolds. Yeah, and it's a lifelong journey. It is. You know, it's like this beautiful puzzle that just keeps opening and opening and opening and opening. And the more that you can self-reflect and empower yourself and really get connected into your body, the better and the richer your life will be. Before before I started this work, I used to travel a lot for adventure. You know, so I've been to 45 plus countries, traveling around, moving around because we're looking for new places, looking for new things. And uh, when I started this work, nobody told me that this is going to be one-way street. <laughs> one-way street? One-way street. There's no coming back. And it's a one-way street. And uh, and yeah, it's been six, seven, eight years, eight years now. And I love it. Of course, it, it comes, there are places, there are times when it feels uh, this uncomfortable. Uh, sorry, let me retake. There were times where when I was starting this journey initially, I felt alone because I, I was going through a lot of changes. Every person goes through, they, they have their own life. So they're going through their own changes and, and not having that kind of a support growth. It made it very difficult for me to be able to share this. I can't share with my parents anymore. I can't share with my friends anymore because they are not doing the work that I am doing and we don't have that level of support network. Now, of course, after many years being into this uh, and having all that kind of experience and then meeting experts like yourself, then it just feels so good. It's like, I am so happy that I stayed connected to it even when it was so so difficult and it was worth it and that just basically ignites me and says okay I need to carry on moving further yeah <laughs> community is so important and and I love this phrase find the others where I'm barking on something and you are doing things that are not the average path then find the others, find the others that are going to be there for you, that are going to inspire you and remind you what you're doing. Body, joy, intimacy. So that's the school that now you are looking after. What are your next two, next couple of projects in the, in the coming years? Yeah, so I am doing a lot of things online now, which uh -huh. has been a beautiful pivot using COVID. So we are putting together a whole virtual classroom where you can learn prostate massage. You can learn about how to touch different bodies and how to get more capacity in your body and your orgasm. So I'll, I'll bring on some other teachers and instructors because I love learning from other people and other people bring their own gifts. And so that's what we're going to be working on now. Right now, currently, I've got something called The Practice and it is a mindful self-pleasure self-touch virtual class as well so much like going to a yoga class or you know seeing a personal trainer this would be for your sensuality and for your own eroticism so we do a little lesson in the beginning of the class and then we go into our own practice and we turn all the cameras off but we have a beautiful sensual playlist and we all bring in the tools that we've learned just like in a yoga class you build your tools as the longer you do do it yeah yeah so what's what is it called the it's called the practice 
Oh, it's it's a name. The name is a practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's actually I didn't come up with this originally. It was actually from Joseph Kramer's work from the eighties and called orgasmic yoga or mindful masturbation. And so I just brought in my hypnotherapy tools and my own flavor and kind of turned it into what it is called the practice. If people are to uh, want to find out more about this. Um... They can go to uh, the website? Yes. People can visit me at bodyjoy.org and I have all my classes. I have the practice. I also have a free teaser program called The Primer, and that is the first step in someone that's interested in the practice. Uh, it's available to both women and men? Yeah. All genders. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm definitely gonna, going, going to check it out. And anybody who's, who's going to be listening to this, please do go ahead and uh, make sure you go click on the website. Check everything out. Uh, I'm sure, it's going to, as you know, this is going to be absolutely super fun, super nourishing. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing. I have deeply enjoyed every single moment. I feel very energized, very happy just in being able to speak and have this amazing uh, connection. Oh, thank you, Michael. It was really sweet to get to know you and be asked questions that I'm normally not asked and <laughs> happy to contribute in your project and your endeavors and I wish you the very very best thank you so much hello dear listeners I hope you enjoyed the show for more shows visit podcast the orgasm coach or michaelcharming.com if you like the show I would be so grateful if you can leave some stars and recommend it to your friends or to someone whom you think this show will benefit let us know what you think, which topic would you like to hear in future or give us your feedback by dropping us an email at coach at michaelcharming.com. Do connect us, connect with us on Instagram at mc.theorgasmcoach. And just a reminder, if you are interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm. If you're interested in politics and want to have political conversations with friends, family or strangers without conflicts, then do check out my book on politics, What's Your Fucking Opinion? Visit the book page on my website for more information. Do check out the courses on the website michaelcharming.com. Most importantly, if you have any questions or for any confidential conversation, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. Let's work together in embracing our sexuality rather than shying away, dismissing or disconnecting from it. That's all for me for now. I'm your host Michael Charming and you are listening to The Orgasm Coach. See you again soon in the next show with another expert on another interesting topic. Until then, take care with lots of love and remember, together we can and we are making a difference. Orgasms are fun. We should be having more and not less. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.